Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. For a lot of us listening, we've gotten really good at decluttering our homes. But what about our inner homes? I mean, what about the weight of something you may be carrying around with you? mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, that gets in the way. Join me today as I speak with author Trina McNeely about how we can observe, own, and ultimately overcome what is overwhelming us. This episode is in no way a prescription that will solve all of your problems, but I do hope that it's a stepping point of encouragement as you begin to think through some of the clutter that you may be carrying with you. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. As always, leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. All right, as for my minimalist moment this week, I was adding a few things to my Facebook marketplace profile and noticed that I had, gosh, I don't even know if I want to admit it, 90 items in my profile. So I'm sure some of you are listening and that sounds incredibly overwhelming to you. I will say it has become somewhat of a hobby (laughs) and I, it's my little market of sorts that I like to sell from, but I wanted to direct us back to something that the minimalists have said. They say, if a thing stops adding value, sell it. If it doesn't sell in a week, lower the price. If it doesn't sell in 30 days, donate it. And if a donation place doesn't accept it, to recycle it. So I was feeling a little bit convicted with how many months I've had some of these things up there. And I took a good look in the mirror, not really, but I thought through what the minimalists had said. And I went through and dropped a ton of prices. And honestly, it's really cool because Facebook has this option that they allow buyers to submit an offer. So I really appreciate that ability on there. However, I think a lot of people see that initial price and they pass. So I first wanted to say that if you are at all interested in selling on Facebook Marketplace, it is such an easy, free resource for you. And I'm sure this is very redundant because most of us at this point know that it's accessible for anyone. However, I did want to say it is a nice little chunk of change that you can use and put towards something that maybe more frivolous or something experiential. For me, I like to spend the money on girls' nights or when I'm having a fun time with friends. So the two things I guess I took away this week when I was reflecting about my Facebook marketplace usage was I'm really excited about using it regularly and I do feel like I'm, as I said, running a little shop out of my house. However, there's no need for something to be on there for more than a couple of months. As the minimalists say, you either drop the price or donate it or recycle it if you can't. All right, I think that's it for now. Here is this conversation with Trina McNeely. Trina, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you for having me, Diane. I'm so glad to be here. 
I'm excited for you to be here as well, which it's, it's funny. Like you said, you're not used to being on this side of things. You're used to being in my shoes. Yeah. I'm used to asking the questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to have you here and just pick your brain a little bit about this topic today. But before we get there, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to listeners. And I'm curious if you consider yourself to be a minimalist. Okay. This is always the hardest question for me to talk about about myself, but I guess I will start out by saying that I am a mom of four kids, two teens and two middle school. So life is kind of crazy. I have been blogging for, I've lost count of the years now, somewhere around 12 or 13. Um, My blog is called Lala Lovely and it began kind of as a lifestyle blog. I love home and design and anything that I do somehow goes through the lens of home. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. And um, yeah, I also write books. So I just finished my second book, which is coming out on February 15th. And I know we'll talk about that. But at heart, I'm really just a writer. I've been writing in journals while starting in like a Garfield diary in elementary school. And I just, I like to write. It helps me to process things and to... um, help make sense of what's going on in life and just kind of capture and take notice of beauty that we so often miss. So that's kind of me. And then you want to know if I'm a minimalist. Um, I want to say yes for your show, but I'm not. I am trying more to be. I'm very like for a very long time, I'm very attracted to Scandinavian design. Like I love it. I'm a minimalist and I love every all white walls and then just adding on pieces. But I definitely am a person, I'm a I collect things. I like to curate and collect. So sometimes I'm a bit of a piler, I call it, and I have to work through that. But I love the clean look of minimalism. And I probably would describe myself by the term that Michael and Smith has coined called cozy minimalist. So I'm I've gotten a lot better at getting rid of things, but I want everything to be really cozy still. I can absolutely relate to that and I I love that book. I'm I'm pretty sure she was on the podcast when that book released. That's a great book for people that haven't read it before that it seems like it's much more approachable than like you said it's it's just bare walls, which I've talked about that before on the show that I think for especially for moms having this like super clean aesthetic is not necessarily realistic with little ones. Um maybe as they get older. So I want to talk today about your new book and I want to dive deeper into observe, own and overcome. And I guess how we can apply those types of mentalities when we're decluttering our souls. Yes. So like I said, I kind of see everything through the lens of the home. And so when I wrote my first book, which is called Bala Lovely, I kind of had a chapter titled the lived in and living home. And so, you know, talk about these homes that we live in and and what we want them to look like and how we can really kind of design our lives based around, you know, how we design our homes, but also that we are as people, we're like living homes and there's a whole kind of inner world on the inside of us. Right. And so the reason I use the word soul because it kind of all started as mental clutter, like let's clear out our mental clutter. And I love that. But as I got further into it, I realized that it wasn't just really mental clutter for me, it's more soul clutter. And what I mean by soul is souls kind of defined as your mind, your will and your emotions. And, you know, I'm sure I can kind of vouch for most 
women um, that were super emotional. But for me, it was not just, you know, the mind, it was like, you know, all these emotions kind of cluttering and kind of clogging up my inside and not really being able to function the way that I want to at times when I get overwhelmed and I was finding I was becoming overwhelmed all the time. And then it's like the daily things I could get through them, but just wasn't really kind of participating in my life. As I like to say, I was just kind of surviving it. And so um, that's kind of what I mean by soul and just kind of looking through that lens of like, what's really going on on the inside. And so that first O is observe. And that's kind of the first step because so many times we're on autopilot and there's so much stimulation in the world these days, you know, having our phones constantly on and the news and, you know, just everything going on in the world, just noise, noise, noise. And so we kind of have to stop and begin to listen to the soundtrack of our soul of what's really going on so that we can begin to see, okay, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to begin to um, eliminate so that I can live, you know, a better life filled with more peace and joy, creating space for peace and joy. And all different types of moms are listening to this show. And I want to know how we can apply that to, I want to say, how can all women do it? I know that's kind of a blanket statement and and difficult to answer, but I guess um, maybe what are some of your tips on how we can begin the process? Yeah. So for the first portion, the observe portion, it's really just kind of taking time to what I call inventory your clutter. And, you know, in the book, I kind of explain a lot further how to do that. And I've got a great PDF download to help people walk through that process. But it's just really what I call paying attention. And I think this is where people get stuck because it's, it's kind of hard to pay attention. Like we can do it quickly. Oh, this is bothering me or that, but to really sit and listen and observe it, it takes time and it's really uncomfortable if I'm honest. Right. And I think we all kind of experienced this when the pandemic hit and we were all, you know, um, in our homes and a lot of the coping mechanisms that we, you know, enlist, which is maybe being around people or keeping busy all the time to kind of quiet that inner chatter like that was all taken away. And then we're kind of left with ourselves. And so you just, I just want to encourage women to like, don't be afraid of that. It's uncomfortable, but being uncomfortable isn't a bad thing because it can tell us so much. So for me, I had to begin to pay attention. And I found that paying attention is what precedes change. I felt like, well, I'm not getting anywhere because this is taking a while, this paying attention. And we're so used to these quick fixes, right? Like five ways to do this down, you know, just with the, with your email address, you'll get this free PDF and change your life with five quick steps. Well, real lasting change, it takes time. So it's okay to pay attention. And I like to use, like I said, a journal or I list a lot. So a lot of times I look for patterns or you know, repetitive thoughts that I might be having or repetitive feelings or repetitive reactions or responses that I find myself having. So those are some ways. And I I have a chapter about, you know, paying attention to your body because a lot of times your body will do the speaking for you, right? It's like, you think you're stressed out, but then all of a sudden you start having this, you know, issues coming out in your body. And then you can see like, okay, yeah, this is really anxiety or this is Mm -hmm. chronic stress. And also, you know, kind of paying attention emotionally, like I had to realize and recognize 
my emotional age did not match my chronological age. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a really hard thing to process and know. But I figured that out by paying attention and watching my children because children are an excellent mirror. So when my daughter, who is a teenager, she gave me permission to write about this because she's awesome, but she was having a bit of a meltdown one day. Mm -hmm. And I was like trying to help her and logically work through things. And then all of a sudden, like it was just an epiphany moment. And I realized, oh my gosh, like that's how I still respond when I'm under pressure and stress. I have, I still have meltdowns. And so I realized I kind of am stuck at this age of 16 or 17 emotionally. And Mm -hmm. so it's hard to accept that. But then once you see that, it really does empower you to want to change and kind of go on to the next stage, which I call own. Yeah. And I did want to say in the first section, you talk about how when we're talking about application to the women that are listening, you say it's actually quite rare that someone doesn't have what you call the soul clutter. And you say the white noise of others' opinions, stories we tell ourselves to cope, lies we believed or agreed with, unregulated emotions or pain that's become paralyzing. So I think that when we're talking about intentionality and maybe simplifying things, digging deeper into some of these things that we may not even realize that we carry is so critical. Like you said, to have those ages and emotional ages all match up, which again, that might be harder for some more than others, depending on what your past is like. But I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you is because it is so important. And oftentimes it can go overlooked. Yeah, it totally can. And there's really no judgment. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I had kind of been going through this process on my own without, you know, the labels of observe, own and overcome and not really knowing what I was doing at that point. And I felt I was kind of judgmental with myself because I would just look at other people that seem to be killing it in life as we do when we look at social media and make comparisons, or they just seem to, you know, be able to adapt to change better or quicker. And it really took me having to accept myself and realize like, you know, you just mentioned, you know, we all come from different backgrounds and upbringings and there's reasons why there's a very good reason why, which, you know, I won't get into the whole backstory today, why I am, you know, found myself kind of stunted at the emotional age of a teenager. And so we just have to be so kind and accepting to ourselves and give ourselves permission to go through the process. And that our pace, this is what I found, because I also liken this to, it's really like a journey but then once you get the idea of it, you can, you know, use this process quickly in your everyday, but it's like a journey. And the thing is, is that everybody's pace is different. Your mm-hmm. pace is going to be different than my pace. And we have to stop looking at each other all the time and comparing because there's just not, it's not good to compare for an, a host of reasons. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's apples to oranges, you know, you're, you're, story of origin is different than mine. You know, you may have different handicaps because of that than I do, Mm -hmm. or, you know, vice versa. So we can be kind. It's easy to be kind to our friends and give them space when they're going through hard times or making change or working on personal growth. And it's easy to cheer them on, but we've got to give ourselves that same compassion and encouragement and space to grow and change. Definitely. So the next part, you have an entire section on owning that. So what does that look like for you? I kind of began to find that I had this attachment to the word own Mm -hmm. in that, you know, I grew up in a home where my dad owned 
newspapers. So he was a business owner. I married, you know, my husband who ended up owning businesses too. So I totally get what it means to own. It is a lot of work and it never kind of stops. But I really came to the realization um, during a time when I no longer owned a home. And I write about this in the book. It was um, a really hard time for me. I just left my a beloved home that was my childhood home and we purchased as adults. And um, I was just like, I lost a lot of my identity in that. And then it was a time I'm a person of strong faith. And so I really felt like I was supposed to begin to own that inner home that I was talking about. It was a time to not worry about decorating and design and all of that stuff that I loved and I enjoyed. And it was hard to like lay that down for a while, but to work on the design and the landscape of my inner home to own my emotions. And like I said, the responses and reactions to begin to own my attitude and how I looked at things, my perception. It was during a time when I felt like I didn't have a lot of choice. I was going through some really difficult things that I didn't bring upon myself, but they still very much affected me. And so I felt pretty paralyzed, like I didn't have choices. And so owning is about sometimes getting down to the very like nitty gritty small things that you can own and be in charge of. And that's always your attitude. And so sometimes, you know, I had to like own my day in the sense of like, I'm going to take a shower today instead of, you know, bemoan what's going on or um, it's, it's just making choices. I'm going to choose life. I'm going to choose, you know, to actually smile, even though I want to curl up in a ball and cry today. So mm-hmm. it's just was really learning to, um, like I said earlier, participate in my life to not, you know, stay in a victim mindset. And, you know, for some of us, I know there's some listeners here that are actual victims. You've been a victim mm-hmm. of abuse and very difficult things. And I am so sorry that you have had to go through that and endure that. And there are very real ways that that term applies. Um, For me, I just began to understand I just, it wasn't serving me to continue to live under that mindset. And so I was learning to kind of like be the boss of myself. I was a person that um, like had all these ideas and stuff, but I was also used to other wanting other people's approval and that sort of thing. So I just kind of had to learn to like, I got to be the boss of me and I have to make decisions. I learned that no decision is a decision. That's something my dad taught me growing up, but I kind of found that out. Like if I don't like begin to make choices, then my life is just going to start veering in the way that, you know, other people want and then I'm going to complain about it. And so that's kind of a very broad all over the place idea of what own means. Yes. And you say it's not for the faint of heart going in through this section of your book and working through these things on, on our own, because like you said, there are some of us that have been true victims and it, 
that's not easy. And it might take work with someone else outside of yourself to work through these processes. So I like how you also give just some practical examples of, gosh, how did you put it? I just sent it to my husband, actually. I have your book here. You you say things I've had to own and you say, for example, nagging or complaining and then how I'm taking action. And you say, encourage others and offer ideas and solutions. So I like how you give just practical examples of how we can maybe take something that has been weighty to us and then work through it and own it. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Because I think we, sometimes we make everything, we take it to such a big level and Mm -hmm. I want to bring it back down to like the everyday level because that's where we live in the everyday. And so, you know, again, I had to like own, what am I avoiding? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, just that, that paying attention still goes into this section. Cause once you kind of learn to do it, then it works in every section, but like, what am I avoiding? Why am I avoiding these things? Because um, when you get this information about yourself, information is power, really. So just knowing all these things about yourself um, helps you to become, you know, a truly powerful person and not powerless, which we often feel when we are overwhelmed. Well, which leads me to the last O, it's overcome. So any recommendations to how you've done that that's been beneficial or that you would recommend? Yes. So overcome is kind of a two-prong meaning for me. So as a person of faith, I know some of your listeners might be, some might not. I am a person of faith. So um, in the Bible, it talks about that's just who we are. God calls us overcomers. But whether you're a person of faith or not, I don't think it really matters because it's a mindset. And when, like when we talked about feeling powerless and that type of a thing, it's very easy for me to look at the reality. And there were a lot of situations that factually I was powerless in. But when I kept repeating that narrative to myself, I can't do anything, you know, I'm powerless. I know they did this to me, or I'm stuck in this. It, it, that wasn't serving me either. So I had to take on a new mindset of no, actually, I am an overcomer and I can overcome. I'm capable of it and it's who I am. But then also, I define it as it's a process you're overcoming. It's, it's not necessarily like this arrival and you're like, oh, the process is done. I've done this. It's, it's just what you do. And I found it really interesting. I love, I'm such a word person. So I love to look up actual definitions of things, but you know, the subtitle is overcome what overwhelms you. Well, the word overcome and overwhelm are pretty similar um, in the dictionary. You know, sometimes we say like, oh, you know, he was overcome with joy or she was overcome with sadness. And so I began to kind of look at it as the peace and joy, like that we're creating space for, like, I want to let those things kind of overwhelm the bad things. And in that you're overcoming. So I don't know if that makes sense, but overcoming and the overcome section has a lot of practical things that you can do and actions to take um, so that you, again, I like to say, you know, can participate in your life. And a lot of that, you know, even has to do with very simple everyday things like the foods that we eat, the exercise and getting movement in your life, you know, learning to engage and I say strategize for joy, which I thought, oh, you know, like we can, we just sometimes think with things like peace and joy, like 
we just have them or we don't. Some people have them or they don't, or it's always in tomorrow, but it's actually only in today that we can experience peace and joy. So how do we do that? Well, anybody that has any kind of ownership in their life, you know, they are, they strategize. So I begin to look at like, what are ways I can strategize for joy? How can I plan and prepare and kind of set the table for joy in my life? So those are some ways that you can begin to overcome. You've given us a lot to think about here. Do you have any other recommendations or anything that we missed? I would just say on a practical level, I have a chapter called ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this just can't be me. (laughs) I think it's women um, in general, but asking for help is really hard. I know some people that are good at it. I am bad at it, but I had to kind of look at, you know, what is the history of help in my life? What was modeled before me kind of both on, you know, my mom's side and my dad's side and all of that. Why don't I like to ask for help? And I kind of came to realize it's just like, well, I don't want to bother people or I don't want to be a nuisance or I should figure this out myself, chin up, you know, cowboy up all the ups, I call them. And really when it came down to was kind of pride. And I just want to encourage women to ask for help. And I say, you know, sometimes you pray for help. Sometimes you pay for help. Sometimes you ask for help. And sometimes you do all three. And that's bringing a lot of freedom in my life right now. And I still catch myself like, "Uh, I don't want to bother that person or "Uh, I don't want to seem needy or whatever. But when I just do it and it can be like the simplest thing, you know, like even in my marriage, I need help this week. Can you get the groceries or asking, you know, one of my children, I need extra help. Can you vacuum this or whatever? Or telling a girlfriend, like, I need some help this week. Can I just chat and verbally process this? And I find that people want to help. And, you know, it also empowers you to be a person that helps others as well. So that's just one I want to encourage women. They can start right now. Just ask for help. Absolutely. That's great advice. And oftentimes I've found when I've asked for help, people are really excited to help too. the people in your lives, the people that are surrounding you that already love you. Like they're more than willing to go there with you. Yes, for sure. Well, where can listeners find you or grab a copy of your new book? Yes. Okay. So um, you can meet me online at Trina, T-R-I-N-A underscore McNeely, M-C-N-E-I-L-L-Y. That's on Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, I'm at Trina McNeely author. And then my website, which I would just go to first because it'll take you to all those places, is just trinamcneely.com. And Unclutter Your Soul is available. Uh, well, probably when this airs, it's it will be out. So wherever books are sold, Amazon, you can go to my website to direct you to all the retailers. And I've got some great tools um, that you can access through the book that will help you go through this process practically. Great. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah. Okay. I really thought about this. Um, so, and I'm, I'm like too many answers. (laughs) I'm always a too much information person. So I might give you two, but I'm going to be really practical. Um, and obviously it will go with a minimalist theme, but Instacart, has been a really beneficial resource to me in this past year. Mm -hmm. Um, 
to just like, you know what, I'm going to let someone else grab my groceries. I don't use it every week, but I've started to, it's my own weird way of like, I need help. And you know, I can, in this way, sometimes I can pay for help. So when it's really, you know, stressful times, busy times, I totally use Instacart. And then um, I love the Balanced Life Sisterhood, which is for, it's like a Pilates membership program. Mm -hmm. And that has been such a good resource for me, because again, it's another way that I feel like I'm minimally doing things. Um, I don't have to go to the gym. I can just roll out my mat in my bedroom. And Robin Long, who has this program, just has really great workouts that are 20 minutes, sometimes Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. And it's so doable. And I find that I can return to that again and again. So those are my two um, beneficial resources. So with the first one, Instacart, mm-hmm. do you, cause I have one for Kroger here, which is a grocery store and then giant Eagle. And if you spend over like $35, they'll give it to you for free, but is Instacart something different than using those? Yeah. So I think I've got Kroger too. Like I can order straight off Kroger's website. And sometimes I do that, but Instacart, it's like an app and they work with all kinds of stores. So okay. you, you pay for like a membership, a yearly membership, and then you have a personal shopper. So, you know, you could do Costco or Kroger oh. or Target. And what I find that I sometimes prefer over just ordering directly from Kroger uh-huh. is since they are a personal shopper, they, you know, they are in text communication with you. So they will, you know, text you a photo. Oh, this is out. Can you take this as a substitute or, um, how about this instead? Where sometimes if I just do Kroger, you know, stuff just never ends up in your order and okay. then you're out ingredients to, you know, make your meal for the night. So that's why I like Instacart. Um, it just is a little more, you know, kind of a personal shopping experience. All right. My last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Okay. That's a hard one. I usually have something and I was like really racking my brain on that. But recently I kind of splurged while I kind of like pooled all my Christmas money and then a little bit I had been saving for um, a portable infrared sauna by Therisage. Uh, I've been working, you know, on my health in certain ways. And I just kept seeing this from a person that I followed and I knew some people that had gotten it in real life. And so I was like, I want to get this and invest in my health in this way. So it's up in like our bonus room and it's really kind of funny. You sit in it, but your head sticks out, but I feel so good after I use it. And I just really love it. I can't kind of stop raving about it. So I think you're the second person in the last few months that have, has said the sauna. <laughs> like Really? The sauna. Yes. Yeah, there has to be something to this. Yeah. I, I don't like, I never liked to sweat when I exercise. I mean, I do a little cause you get that endorphin high, mm-hmm. but, um, but there is something about it. Like you sweat and you just feel like you get rid of a lot of that, like a lot of clutter in some ways. So mm-hmm. I just, I feel that like afterwards I feel so good when I just can kind of get rid of toxins. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Trina, thank you again for joining me today. I think this is a really necessary episode for people, especially just because I think we can get so caught up in the day-to-day that we do forget this element of ourselves, which may be making our days harder than they need to be. So I'm, I'm glad that you are here today and to go through this with us. Thank you so much for having me. I have loved chatting and I really appreciate you talking about Unclutter Your Soul with me. 
What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Join me back here next week for a conversation with my friend Morgan Tyree. We're going to be talking about hospitality personalities. So this was such a curious topic for me to explore, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.